0: You know, no one mm-hmm. wants to have that as their as their gravestone died really for no reason.
1: Welcome back to Sterling Municipal Library's podcast, all booked where we talk to you about the books we'd like to recommend.
2: And Sam and Jake are joining us today. Everybody is familiar with the phrase, remember the Alamo, but they are talking about a book called Forget the Alamo. And we're pretty intentional with inviting them both on the show because... Jake just recently moved to Texas, so he doesn't have that whole Texas mythos like ingrained in him Mm -hmm. like many of us. And Sam uh, was born and raised in Texas. So how about you guys tell us a little bit about the book?
0: You want to go first? We'll let, you know, visitors first. Okay.
2: Rock, (laughs) paper, scissors? So,
3: yeah. Forget the Alamo is, it is a history not just of sort of what happened at the Alamo, but also the myth-making and the telling of the history of the Alamo. So like probably the first half of the book is like battle stuff and then after that you get the establishment of what would become the alamo museum the drama of the daughters of the alamo and their attempts to sort of protect either the mission or the long barrack there's a lot of chapter about the long barrack but yes and i guess to sort of describe it a little bit it's very conversational and casual in tone there's some there's some cussing <laughs> um which is which i don't think is like standard for a lot of history texts like this yeah. and they certainly like they they have a thesis which is essentially that that a lot of the Alamo myth is just not true their their primary mode is sort of like debunking those myths okay that's like their primary Motive, and I don't know, Sam. How do you? Feel?
0: No, that's what you're describing. It's great because really, it does come in and take, and it shows kind of the lineage of how the story changed over the years. How initially, what now is being called revisionism was the initial story. Okay, and then sometime around the turn of the century, into like from the you know the 19th to the 20th century, people started making up all these grander stories to kind of make it seem more important than it was and it kind of goes where as you get second generation from it people start making up well my grandfather did this mm-hmm. and that's kind of where the daughters come <laughs> in because they were all like well you know my grandfather my great-grandfather fault in it and it was this and it was amazing and all these things happened where at the time even as they researched current to then newspaper articles a lot of it was like yeah this happened this is what happened they were kind of What they did wasn't the most brilliant thing. Like, they could have left, and it didn't really accomplish a lot. But, you know, no one wants to go, yeah, my grandfather died because... He was too stubborn. For no reason. Right. He just basically <laughs> hung out and they made thought... made a bad decision. Yeah. You know, certain things would happen and it didn't and they died for no reason. You know, no mm-hmm. one wants to have that as their as their gravestone. Died really for no reason. And so that's a big part of it. And it kind of goes to how it went. And then, you know, you had the Davy Crockett Disney show, which was...
2: Oh my gosh.
0: Right. You know, it was just an <laughs> answer to the Cold that. War. You know, answer to early, like, communism, like, you know, mm-hmm. World War Two era. Mm-hmm. And then it moved into the whole, you know, in the wake of McCarthyism and things like that people just still rooting out the communists, which is, to me, has been rather embarrassing and also funny in the fact that, like, the verbiage hasn't changed in, like, a hundred years of why (laughs) they're like, it's just the communists are coming, you know, and it's- Uh It's like, well, dude, it's been like 100 years. Like, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> At what point does the wolf cry become, or people start looking around like, this isn't real. Like, we're like 100 years and the boy cried wolf in Texas. For me, you know, I'm sure for Jake, it got boring. But growing up here in Texas, like, you know, it's like, ooh, find out all the family drama. Secrets. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, as they're all infighting, I, when Jake first brought up, I was like, yeah, that's where it started kind of losing me. And I'm like, ooh, family yeah. drama. <laughs> like, let me sit down and see what's happening the, here.
3: Yeah, the stuff with the Daughters of the Alamo is fine. <laughs> (laughs) It was fun. So I have not been to the Alamo, first off, for some context. And
2: actually, interestingly, my follow up question to you was going to be after reading this, do you want to go visit?
3: (laughs) I want to go to San Antonio.
2: Yes, San Antonio is wonderful. Yes,
3: I want to go to San Antonio And, and I might stop by the Alamo. So this was not a good, this isn't the first book of Texas history that I've read. I've read like a couple other things, although they weren't necessarily about the revolution particularly, but I don't think it was a good First, first sort of history of the revolution because it was so dedicated to debunking those myths. When I myself was not really like familiar with the myths, yeah, and that makes so sense. yeah, they're talking about <laughs> Travis's line in the sand, and I was like, I don't know who Travis is, and I uh, have not even heard this line in the sand story. So, <laughs> so yeah, he drew a li- he drew a line in the sand and said like, if you wanna if you wanna leave and something,
0: well, that the was legend. A good <laughs> He didn't actually do it. That's the thing. Uh That's a lot of this was something that didn't pop up until all first sources were dead. It was like, and then he did this. And I was like, no, no, he didn't. Yeah. But I mean, growing up, it's kind of cool too to see kind of me and Jake are very much like the thesis of the book too when it gets to the end is, you know, while we're not that far apart, we're good, like what, 12 years apart, 14 age wise? Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) There's over a decade difference between us. And the way it's taught, even though, you know, again, Jake, not being a native Texan, but still the way it's taught and the way people are seeing it now is not the same way, like, like I said, I remember seventh grade Texas history. Yep. Where you went and you're like, wow, like all this happened. And, you know, and it was a story you grew up with, like, man, all these people happened. I remember drinking from the water fountain in fourth grade with the Texas poster with, you know, William Barrett Travis, like the Stephen F. Austin, all the, you know, godfathers mm-hmm. of Texas. And, you know, it was always big and it was always funny to go to other states and ask them about how their state histories were. And I'm like, yeah, no, it wasn't like, like y'all's, y'alls we,
3: we had a we had a a brief ohio history lesson in i want to say like fourth grade for yeah. for me it was not we did not have a high school class dedicated to so ohio you history to
2: very high level summarize ohio history what would you say oh, man farming
3: my region yeah my region the miami were there they were kicked out and then Northwest Territory happened and it was a feat of urban organization. That's all it (laughs) was. Uh, (laughs) Townships. (laughs) We
1: had, we had like a class kind of, kind of like they do here that is just like one of your history classes is Louisiana history because that's where I'm from. But it's not like as people aren't as fervent about it. They're not Mm. like, woo, Louisiana. Like, and and honestly, the class is basically just like stuff, 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 Louisiana purchase stuff, stuff, stuff. (laughs) Like, there's nothing really in there that people like build a mythology around. So it is very strange coming to Texas and having this like inbuilt like mythos living within people and people that you wouldn't expect. Cause I don't think like we would expect Sam to be like, you triggered the Texan in me. Oh no.
0: Oh no. I, mean, yeah. I remember the, the first time I went to San Antonio to see, I think I, I visited the Alamo like probably five, times, five in the times. four days we were there just to get different pictures at different points of the day and just to go through. <laughs> huh. And even from that, yeah will say it, it is probably one of the most underwhelming historical mm-hmm. things I've ever seen as <laughs> you go there and I mean it's like they even bring it up in the book it's not even the fact that the Alamo is not that big like that that's okay like I've been to places that weren't yeah. that big mm-hmm. and that's fine but as you're standing for now you turn around you look behind you and there's like Ripley's believe it or not yes. like, oh there's a wax yes, museum and it's just kind of oh. like this is like trash places across the street from this historical thing and that's mm-hmm. Kind of what blows me away about the book is how many people are fighting over, well, we don't want to do this. We're not going to move things to make it more accurate. Mm -hmm. Because if we move the the cenotaph, which is the big thing, we're like, great, which I still haven't picked up on. I mean, I've read quite a bit, but I think it's believed it was put over the pit where people were, because all they did after they killed everyone was threw them in a pit and burned them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then you read it and it's like, well, no, there were three different thing fires lit in different places so it's not like it's great and they're like well it's our graveyard and blah 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 but at the same time these people are not wanting to acknowledge that there was a large Native American graveyard there mm-hmm. at the site so it's really weird and they're like you know they want to move it basically a 100 yards mm-hmm. and so they could make a perimeter of like this is where it used to be and knock down some various things and people are really up in arms about that you know like people come out with guns and things and regarding <laughs> that it that checks out When the crane shows up, we're gonna shoot at it. No one's like, We haven't even like Mm -hmm. we haven't even approved the plan yet. Yeah. And the crane's like way after the plan's even approved. Like we haven't we have no idea of how it's going. So it just shows how just kind of ridiculous it is, the the stuff around it. I mean, it's a cool site, it's very important and for me at least, and especially getting to the true point of it. Like, you know, this wasn't just, as they say, the Anglo hero narrative. It's like, it's not what it was. Like, there were people actually, you know, there's quite a few. Like, Tejanos were actually from mm-hmm. there. Yeah, They died. And it's like, for some reason, which, you know, we all know what the reason yes. is. But for right. some mm-hmm. reason, to be <laughs> less confrontational, they just kind of pushed them out of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They also didn't want to leave the fact that after the fact that a lot of the white settlers after having the Tejanos help them, drove them off their land, and took it from them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of stuff that, you know, it's just that dark past, but no one wants to look at my great-great-grandfather and go, man, he was kind of a bad guy, and he did these things. Even if these people helped, they kicked these people off their land. So there's a lot of just cover-ups, and then as you get to the bushes and things like that, it's a bunch of people who weren't even from Texas coming Mm -hmm. down here and trying to commandeer a legend. And so. Most of the people that are upset about it now, like Dan Patrick and all this stuff, weren't people from Texas. Like all these people who moved in and co-opted the Mm -hmm. thing and then rile people up.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So it's and sadly, well, that's it's like basically the entire story from the early 1900s has been, oh, I'm gonna swoop in and mess with all these things. And Phil Collins is a huge part of the book. Yes, what?
3: and yeah, Phil Collins is a is a huge Alamo head and has, and over the years, like amassed this huge collection of like Alamo memorabilia that are supposed to be like, like primary sources or like things that were actually there, but the vast majority of them are fake. Yeah. And then just like Dan Patrick apparently like hates this book a lot too. That makes sense. He's like come out and spoke out against it. Is like Dan that.
1: Patrick yeah. the one with, with an eye patch?
3: Um, no, no, There's no. no. A the guy it's the governor. Lieutenant, governor. Oh, lieutenant governor. Yeah. And he really doesn't like the Dan's
1: got confusing.
3: And I could, you know, maybe I can even see that a little bit. I think they are. I think these authors are very gentle with Santa Ana, who was a dictator. And typically when invading territories, there would be a fair bit of pillage involved, which is not great. But on the other hand, they're also at pains to state like the reason they wanted to secede is because they needed cotton plantations. And the state of Mexico was outlawing slavery. So that's that's kind of. You know, the thing that you do have to just kind of sit with at the end of the day. But it is just the truth.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like when people break out the state's rights argument and you look up articles of secession from Texas and it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, completely based in slavery. And if you look at the initial Declaration of Independence for Texas, it was heavily based in maintaining Texas as a slave Mm -hmm. locale state. Mm -hmm. But when it became its country, this was it like no law shall be passed limiting or, Mm -hmm. you know interfering with the holding of slaves so that's a big thing that hits with the book and so, a lot of people don't want to actually you know don't want to own that that you know this is what happened is it
1: is it more that they want to use the alamo as like a, a fun example of why everyone should have guns because i, I don't think <laughs> if it's you go to the alamo gift shop that's the vibe you get like oh, there's a lot of come and take come it, come and
3: take
0: like, it yeah well yeah, yeah. and that's just because that's you know that's a gonzalez story that's not even mm-hmm. it's yeah. from the same thing but that's kind of what what kicked it off so a lot of that's just cross-pollination between different yeah. parts of the of, kind of the legend yeah
1: as a non-texan like who just r- randomly stumbled upon like the alamo as a thing because like yeah we've heard of it but like no one ever like told anyone the details you just hear remember the alamo and you're like okay take it <laughs>
3: yeah i i knew like sure. going in like I, I knew crockett was there i knew that they all died and i knew it was in san antonio but other than that like that's all i knew (laughs) so
1: it's very weird to see like these days like what it's associated with because Mm -hmm. it kind of makes you like form your opinions of it before you even learn about what actually happened because Mm -hmm. of the ways that you're getting the information so like if i only hear it from people like in like certain like contexts i'm gonna be like oh okay so it's a thing that like xyz people really Mm -hmm. care about or, like, Texan people really care about. Because, mm-hmm. again, not from Texas. Weirdly, they don't talk about the Alamo well, in Louisiana. <laughs> they... It does. Oh, go ahead.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, they, they also have, like, I, I think one of their kind of more poignant sections is where mm-hmm. they're talking about Tejano or recent Mexican migrants to Texas who come and they take their his- Texas history class. And in that entire section, they're, like, students start to realize, like, oh, they were the enemy. Mm-hmm. for this section. So, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's a yeah. lot of people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right, and kids aren't very good at picking up on nuance. So exactly, not, yeah. So it's just like, well, that's what happened. And, you know, obviously this mm-hmm. is your heritage, so therefore, you know, your family came. looks like, but I'm not. Like, my family's been hearing from before all this. Exactly. And, like, yeah. Like, and that's kind of one thing that they're trying to reclaim in the book is that, you know, this isn't just like Anglo history. Like, mm-hmm. like there were people who were, at, you know, Tejones actually fought, actually did not yeah. They were at... You know, you go over to San Jacinto, which is right by here. You know, there are plenty of plaques like, you know, for Lorenzo de Zavala and people who were, when they're named, people who got shot and things like that. People who fought there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Spanish names. So it's... That whole, I guess, you know, like anything, kind of mm-hmm. got whitewashed, in the. Yeah. especially going through the Civil War period right after that. It kind of became the whole, you know, American exceptionalism, and mm-hmm. we fought back for our liberty and stuff, you know, and it's tough. Because like I say, I, I don't want to go into like, you know, the thousand, hundreds of years of history before, yeah. but it's, it's a lot more nuanced than the book started out with. It was mm-hmm. just basically like these people showed up and took everything. I was like, well... You know, Spain did try to settle this place for 100 years or more, yeah. and every time they came, they got driven out or everyone starved to death. Mm-hmm. Like it was something that they couldn't actually no one could really settle the area because it wasn't hospitable to living. It took up, you know, a bunch of people and people who were forced into labor to mm-hmm. come in and do these things. Yeah. Which is I think one of the things I talked to Jake about was the the striking sadness of seeing the letters that people like Austin and all these people are writing about how they could, you know, we can't, we can't do this. Yeah, we're obviously the in the superior race, but we can't do this. We have to have these people do all the work because we're we can't if it's we were like left really to our own high. devices, we would starve to death hot. and die. Yeah. <laughs> like we couldn't do this. Yeah. but, but we're also like the greatest people ever. And it's like mm-hmm. not, I guess that they didn't see the the ridiculousness and the things yeah. they were writing. Like, we can't handle any of this. It's so hot and it's so so treacherous. And, yeah. and mosquitoes. Oh, my God. You,
2: yeah. You said the tone is extremely conversational. Are there footnotes? Does it feel thoroughly researched?
0: Yeah, there's lots of footnotes. And, I mean, there's the last, like, 40 pages of the book is all of the different oh. things that they, like, index and bibliography and notes.
3: Yeah. And... One thing that kind of bothered me is that there is a book called Olvídate del Alamo. So, like, forget the Alamo. And they said they had to have someone else read it for them. So I'm kind of like, you did this? You authored this book without anyone with a working knowledge of Spanish? But I don't know. Yeah. That was my own kind of. <laughs> that's my, that's own, fair. That's my only eh. Yeah.
0: He's mentioned as, I can't remember the guy's name. I can't, but I believe he's the one who's mentioned as like the fourth Beatle. Like they wrote this and then he was like the guy who would translate for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is kind of like, and you know, we were, this wasn't what we based it off of, but yeah, it was funny that he read the book for us and basically told us things that we need to know from it. I was like, cool. So
1: so there was already a book published that they got some of their information from.
0: Uh, I mean, well, I mean... There were hundreds of books yeah. Of well, published. No, no, but look, yeah, look, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm just mean like the one that you're mentioning is right. the one that they like have in their index but they mentioned that they weren't able never able to read it mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah, that
0: they were being non-Spanish okay. speakers, they mm-hmm. were. Sorry, there I just got a, confused. There was not an American <laughs> translation and really uh, yeah. and they said even though the name came had the same name it was this actually came from an art installation not from Right. The okay. act, that book. But yes. it was funny that there was a book of the same name in Spanish that had been mm-hmm. released. Mm-hmm. That was interesting, but yeah, like I say, you know, the daughters of the Alamo were definitely an interesting thing because, like with any of it, they there was a young one of De Zavala's Lorenzo De Zavala's mm-hmm. descendants, Adina De Zavala was one of the people who were trying to get different parts saved because, as you know, any of you, when you think the Alamo, you think the church, like mm-hmm. The- mm-hmm. yeah, which is where like nothing happened, like. Basically, that's where women and children were sent to hide. And then she had all these ideas of saving the long barracks, doing all this. had been turned into a convenience store, basically, or, you know, back in the old, mm-hmm. wherever convenience store was in the early yeah. 1900s. <laughs> mm-hmm. Basically, like a general store of sorts. So that was her goal. But then she got, you know, an affluent white lady came in, Claire Driscoll, who was having traveled the world. She's like, this would be great. It'd be like, you know, the Eiffel Tower. We could do a park around it and everybody could just have around the church. And it was like, well, that's not really where anything happened. Mm -hmm. But she had the money, she had the influence, and that's kind of where it turned into this bitter fight between them for a decade or more, Mm -hmm. trying to get it. But I guess it ended up working out in some ways, even though Days of eventually got kicked out of the Daughters of the Texas Revolution. She did save the long barracks through pushing various politicians and whatnot to Mm -hmm. come in and take control rather than just allowing the Daughters of the Texas Revolution to do everything
1: spicy. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a lot of
0: drama that eventually ended up with, you know, like most social groups or most things as the generations move on, it became less about the Alamo. Like, what was it? Something like 15% of the budget of the money they brought in actually got spent on the Alamo. Most of it went to their pet projects in Austin. Mm-hmm. So they actually were neglecting it. It wasn't until like a part of the roof fell in that they were just like, you know, Rick Perry was like, well, we, can't, you know, can't I can't have the roof fall in the Alamo while I'm governor. So we have to do that. So it just really showed how even now it's in like a severe disrepair yeah, People aren't doing anything to help it. And it just ends in people grandstanding for votes. I mean, that's really, mm-hmm. if you want to see the futility of our political system currently, especially in Texas, like this book is it. We are decades into, we need to do something. We need to do something. And every time someone agrees, some, you know, nutcase comes out of left field or some sportscaster from the Northeast comes to Texas and comes to lieutenant governor and starts issues and grandstanding. <laughs> so, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of those things.
1: So would you recommend this book for Texans specifically, like people who would have that background knowledge?
0: I think it's good, you know, for me personally and growing up with the narrative and kind of understanding the history and reading things like this would be good. I still don't think if you're not invested in it. Yeah. Like it's not a great starting point.
1: Yeah. But if you want to hear the family dirt, especially (laughs) because, you know,
0: I
2: grew up with the same stories like it was almost like a religious narrative, just the Mm -hmm. way it's taught. and, Mm -hmm.
0: um, And that's really what it became. It was Texas, you know. Yeah. That's what they said, and Santa Ana was, you know... He was a uh, dictator. Well, no, I'm just thinking, was it... Are
1: you trying to draw a comparison between What's... someone...
0: It's Pontius Pilate, was he the one? From oh, the Pontius Bible? Pilate, oh, yeah. yeah, from the <laughs> yeah. Bible. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. Santa Ana was that. I'm sorry, I was, couldn't remember I that. I can see yeah. it in your eyes. Uh-huh. You're like, Nero. oh, no, there's a parallel. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like he was the Pontius Pilate figure, and, you mm-hmm. know, Davy Crockett was basically the Jesus figure, because, mm-hmm. he was, you know, here he was. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Davy Crockett, all and I know. And he went out fighting,
0: swinging his gun, and they took him down, they destroyed, you know, these lives. hat. <laughs> yeah on the other hand like it was kind of nice because they, they get
3: in the whole like the the sort of migratory trends of the time and like all of the all of those anglo people were very sort of emblematic of what a texian or what a texan might have been like at the time like travis was syphilitic and uh i think ditched some kids oh yeah he was uh, a... somewhere back in like alabama or something like that
0: yeah he was a he was a not a good person.
3: Bowie was I think
0: illegal he was a drunk. slave trader. Yeah, alcoholic. illegal.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Was a was a slave smuggler.
1: Generally the people and, that that want to settle in hospitable lands.
3: Well, um. yeah, <laughs> the
0: people of uh, as a place of last resort kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah like you yeah. know, even David Crockett like he you know, he was not Dave. at the time. He was David Crockett when he came and he was a failed politician who kind of played this whole yokel from Tennessee mm-hmm. who took down the bars and did all this. And, you know, once he failed in the US, it was kind of like where you went when you had no other option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kind of explained the early Texans. It was like, well, we'll go to Texas. I
3: kind of understand, like, but like, I also understand, like, the appeal of the myth, like, these these yeah. people in this place of last resort the kind of yeah doing the their last stand their doomed last stand against uh yeah the, the the big bad guy so i can see like the appeal of the myth it's just a lot of it's like not great
0: right. <laughs> there's a lot of interesting, like stuff they didn't even get into was the fact that a lot of the reason the alamo was popular was because you know sam houston wanted to stay part of the union not join so they kind of pushed san Jacinto underneath to allow the alamo to go because A lot of the good slaveholders, which Sam Houston was, in fact, a slaveholder and was not a, you know, virtuous person when it came to that. But he did not. He felt he would rather give up slaves and stay part of the United States than join the Confederacy. Wow. <laughs> so, that, so that is why the Capitol is in Austin now instead of Houston, and why the one of the main reasons the Alamo is the far bigger narrative. So, you know, if you were into these things, it would be a great book to read, but I would highly recommend starting with Gone to Texas by uh, Rudolph B. Campbell, which okay. is probably, like, the definitive for me after reading a lot of this stuff, like Texas mm-hmm. history, where it's a lot more pulled back and it starts from, like, the earliest people but it also covers a lot of this and
1: okay.
0: less slanted detail. Like this is definitely a. If it was a debate, this would be one side. Mm-hmm. It's not yes. told from a very neutral, balanced. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of the, the opposite side of the. Well, coin. It's almost
2: reactionary because they are reacting against what the common narrative is that's yeah. handed down. It is called the yeah. "Forget the Alamo." That's so, a pretty I mean, like aggressive yeah. title. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It
0: is based in truth. Like, way more than the actual story we get mm-hmm. told. Story we all, you got told, and, well, I got told my age. Kids now, you know, it wouldn't be the same. But back then, was very much a legend. It was not yes. true. Like, there are firsthand accounts. There are people from both sides, people who survived. Mm-hmm. You know, soldiers, Mexican soldiers, they have their diaries and journals. They kept letters they sent. Other people sent letters that lay out like it's like they can these people can actually go. Here's my firsthand truth of what happened. Yeah, there's just certain things they could, they left out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. But oh. you know, the important thing is I was gonna say earlier and kind of got sidetracked is all the people who are fighting this all have one thing in common: who are really upset about the move to the more realism based. They all have gray hair. <laughs> 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 We're they grew up watching David. You know, they grew up seeing the Alamo movie with John Wayne. John and all Wayne, this. yeah. So, you know, they grew up pl- running around their little fake coonskin cap shooting, mm-hmm. you know, their fake rifle in, out in the woods and pretending they're like taking down the bears or their them and their friends are having the Alamo thing and all of this. And as time moved on and these people kind of go by the wayside, we're going to see a shift to the more inclusive, the more actual realistic mm-hmm. based. And, and that's kind of the end of the book. They kind of go to that, that the people who carry this false narrative, you know, they, there's an expiration date on that. And the younger people are going up. The demographics in Texas are shifting to, you know, I guess pre Texas revolution numbers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's going to come where, you know, eventually, as ugly as it is or as much you don't want, the truth does bubble up. It may take 200 years, but it's mm-hmm. going to happen. And, you know, that's kind of where we're at now.
3: And maybe <laughs> the Alamo will at some point, like the actual museum facilities will at some point sort of reflect that more. And that's kind of what's cool
0: for me is it made the Alamo site a lot more interesting to me. Because where where the Ripley's believe it or not is it was yes. also the original Woolsworth, where apparently it was the first integrated lunch counter mm-hmm. oh, wow. in San Antonio. So that's at one corner. You could easily, you know, you could make that up to period yeah. and make it look like the old Willsworth and have that. You could do the stuff. There's a you know, again, it's a burial ground for a new culture. Mm-hmm. So you could actually have that. So here at this one little and when you get there, it's the size of maybe a couple city blocks. When yeah. you break it all down. It's very small. You have, you know, a significant Native American burial ground. You have the Alamo fight where this happened. No matter what, it was a Mm -hmm. significant battle in the, you know, of the big three battles that happened or the three or the two speed bumps in the Mm -hmm. battle that happened. And then you have, you know, the first integrated lunch counter in San Antonio. And there's also five other beautiful missions in San Antonio that complete this. they're
2: on a wonderful bike trail, too, if anybody's into bicycle riding.
0: Mm -hmm. So – the point is that it's a pretty amazing location when you break it down. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people just want to keep it so one dimensional is rather tragic. I think that's fair.
2: All right. Well, thank you guys so much for co reviewing this book together. It was really nice getting multiple perspectives <laughs> mm-hmm. on something that, you know, Sam and I grew up with a very unbalanced <laughs> <laughs> education on. So, and stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye.